Hi, I'm David Kaplan, and you're listening to the Sports Talk Live podcast. Enjoy the show. It's going to be a huge winter in Chicago. We're not talking about the Farmer's Almanac forecast. White Sox about to enter a massive offseason. Can they land a big free agent and take the rebuild to the next level? Meanwhile, the Cubs need new players. Is David Ross a shoe-in to manage those new faces on the north side? Roquan Smith's absence due to personal reasons continues, sort of. Meanwhile, Chase Daniel did enough in Mitchell Trubisky's absence to get the Bears a win over the Vikings. How much longer, though, can Chase keep this up? And we'll talk more football when a Hall of Famer stops by. Jerome Bettis is here to talk about what's happening with his Steelers winning with a young QB like Mitch and the surgical procedure that turned around his life. Welcome in to Sports Talk Live presented by the Chevy Silverado. I'm David Kaplan. Thank you for watching NBC Sports Chicago. Let's meet the panel for today's show. From MLB.com, he's the great Russ Dorsey, R. Chuck Garfine, and from B96 of Bears Unleashed of Fox 32, he is Gabe Ramirez. All right, let's get started with the Chicago White Sox who head into a massive offseason. They are ready to take another step. Will that mean contending? Will that mean 500? Only time will tell. That leads us to our Chuck Garfine. Sox have money, a willingness to spend it, Mm -hmm. but they had a willingness to spend it last offseason and really couldn't get the impactful guy they wanted, Harper or Machado. Will they be successful this year? That is a great question. I think their intent is to be successful and to make uh, some big moves, but it takes two to tango. So... Uh, we shall see. I can't fully answer that. No one can answer that right now. But what I will say is that Rick Hahn has a better case when he goes to free agents this offseason than last. Last year, they're, they're telling Harper and Machado, hey, this guy Aloy Jimenez, really good. <laughs> he hasn't played in the majors yet, but trust me. Lucas Giolito, uh, he's a top prospect, but uh, he's been struggling. Uh, we think he'll be okay. Michael Kopech, well, yeah, he has Tommy John. He'll be good. I mean, there's a lot of, there are a lot of questions. Mankata. Yeah, 217 strikeouts, but, you know, we think it'll be better. Now, hey, Jake Odorizzi. Hey, J.D. Martinez. Um, maybe Garrett Cole. I don't think so, but we'll Anthony see. Anthony Rendon. And that's another – I don't know. Third base, and then what, are you going to move Moncada again? Never know. Yeah, never know. Well, anyway, so they have a better case, an easier case, if it, there's nothing easy in this, to go to these free agents and say, hey, you want to be a part of this. There's something special that is coming here. That's going to be good for a long time. So I think they'll have a better, easier case to make to get one of these guys or two or three or four. Why not? <laughs> Five. Bring Just it on. Yeah, I think Chuck is absolutely right. If you look at the offseason the White Sox have, it's huge. They have a lot more attractive names uh, on their roster. You look at a guy like Tim Anderson. If you're a free agent or a guy in the, the trade market, you hear Tim Anderson's name a lot in 2019. So you're a team that, uh, that guys want to come to. You're an attractive market. People love Chicago. And with not having to be the only guy. If you look at Bryce Harper last year, he'd be the, the heart and soul of that roster. Now you have some other guys that you can kind of just blend in with what they have. It, it should be a really good offseason. I think it's cool when you, when you look at superstars, right, and then they, when they're uh, heading into free agency, they say to themselves, who can I make better? 
right? And when you're looking at a stock team, Chuck, you said it. Last year, maybe it didn't look so appealing to that top tier free agent. But when you're looking at the White Sox now, and like you just said, Russ, when you hear a guy like uh, Anderson, when you know that Abreu potentially could be back, a, 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 a starting rotation that could get better, yeah. now you say to yourself, well, man, if I add myself to that team, now the White Sox are looking pretty good. You have to do a lot of selling to get a free agent. They had to do a ton of selling last year. You don't have to do as much this offseason uh, for this White Sox team. Okay, but here's the question. a nucleus there. Last year, yeah. we have the video somewhere of Kenny going, I'm wearing sunglasses to hide the shock in my eyes. And then it came out they were $50 million light in their offer to Machado. Yeah. It's a franchise that has never spent more than $68 million on a player, Jose Abreu. They've never been able to convert on a free agent for more. Well they have said. offered more, but, but they've they never signed exactly. one. Exactly. Will they, if Garrett Cole or J.D. Martinez or Anthony Rendon or Nicholas Castellanos go, okay, I'm in, 160, 108, will they do it? I can't answer definitively because I, I can't speak for them. But do you believe I believe do? they will. I, they were willing – this might sound, I've been saying this the whole time. I mean, granted, yeah, they missed big time on Machado by $50 million, but I still couldn't, I was impressed, impressed, surprised that they did offer $250 million, which is, which would have been the biggest contract in the history of Chicago sports. No one talks about that. Yes, they came up $50 million short. You should all remember that and realize they missed out on that. But the White Sox made an offer that would have been the biggest this city has ever seen. So it's not like they aren't willing to spend the money when they target somebody. And I think they learned a big lesson, many lessons, from not getting Machado. Yeah, hopefully you're not overpaying in that situation, yeah. right? Where you get into that moment where you are talking to a top-tier free agent. His agent says, hey, you need to come up a little bit. And they don't want to make the same mistake as they did last year. And then all of a sudden you end up overpaying for that kind of a guy. You don't want that to happen. Yeah, well, here's what makes me feel a little bit better, actually a lot better, about them not getting Machado. Have you seen Moncada's numbers versus Machado's numbers mm -hmm. this season? Mankato was a better player. Tim Anderson is arguably a better player in 2018, uh, 2019 than Machado. Would you have wanted Machado on this team? Yes, but it, it feels a little better that they didn't get him, but Mankata had this breakthrough, breakout season, and so did Tim Anderson. So who are they more likely to get? Garrett Cole, who's going to cost you, and you need a horse at the top of the rotation, or J.D. Martinez or Nicholas Castellanos, all are going to be pricey. Uh, let's start with Castellanos. I think he's a guy who fits, but if you look at how their outfield defense would be, you'd have Luis Robert covering a lot of ground up there, so let's take him off the list. Uh, Garrett Cole is, what is he looking at, between 25 and 30 a year? Oh, yeah. So around 250, I think somebody's going to outbid you to get him, and we know how the White Sox have been with signing pitchers to long-term And they've been deals. smart. They've, Jerry's yeah. been right on that. Yeah, for, especially with uh, a team that has had a lot of guys go down with Tommy John this last 12 months. Okay, what about J.D. Martinez? I think that is the uh, perfect fit if you look at the situation that the Red Sox are in. They want to get underneath uh, the, the luxury tax, and he might opt out anyway. I think that's the guy that could slide right into that four, five spot in the order and fit. Right, so I would love J.D. Martinez. But at last check... What are the, all three of those names that you said have in common? The right-handed hitting. Okay. Who is their agent? Mm -hmm. Scott Boris. Yes. Uh. Boris doesn't have the greatest relationship with the White Sox, so the White Sox... Well, that's got to get yeah. unfubard. I agree with you. I agree. I would love to see that happen. But that has been a stumbling block. Now, they try to get Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper is represented by Scott Boris. So that's not to say this can't happen, but for it to happen... 
that is a barrier that needs to be jumped over. I would love if J.D. Martinez opts out of his contract. I know they want left-handed hitting. They need it, but I'd rather have J.D. Martinez or Nicholas Castellanos, who are right-handed hitters, as opposed to a lesser left-handed bat. And Rick Hahn even mentioned that in his last press conference of the season, saying, you know, we do need left-handed hitting, but we're not going to take a lesser bat that's left-handed uh, just because he's left-handed versus a righty bat who's a better player. Yeah, I feel like when you're looking at a guy like J.D. Martinez, you definitely want him in the lineup. And when you talk about Scott Boris, he knows where the money's at. There's no question about that, right? So I think it's his job to go ahead and milk that, that system, whether it's the Phillies from last year, right? He knows the teams that has them, and he says to himself, you know what? I might have a poor relationship with these guys, but it's not going to stop me from making this commission or making my guy his money, right? So what is the most important thing they add? An impactful bat or a top-of-the-rotation horse? Because Michael Kopech's going to be on an innings limit. That's 100%. He's got too bright a future. He's coming off Tommy John. Carlos Rodon's not going to be back until mid-season. Mid earliest. At the earliest. He'll be on an innings limit going into the final year of his control in 2021. Dane Dunning is coming off Tommy John. He won't be here. Okay. Is Ivan Nova going to be here? Mm, eating, up some so. inning, eating up some innings? Somebody Maybe. He yeah. wants to be back, but I don't know. Okay. I don't know. They're not going to run Dylan Seesaw for 220 innings. They're, they need arms. Yes, that. they do. Okay, so is Garrett Cole by far the number one priority? Is it adding two starting pitchers? I kind of like – now, there aren't that many holes that in the starting lineup that they need to fill because you are assuming – a bad defensive team as well. You're, okay, you're assuming that Luis Roberts is going to play center field. Mm -hmm. So that's one position. Nick Madrigal probably will be your second baseman. I don't want to assume it right away. So there's two. So you really need to fi figure out right field, DH, and – Two starters, I, and everyone needs to fix their bullpen pretty much <laughs> throughout Major League Baseball. They just do it every year. But so I would say one big time. I don't think they're going to go to the Cole area. The Jake Odorizzi area seems to be more in line with the White Sox might try to do. And I mean, DH right field. Why did this team win 72 games? DH and right field. I mean, the starting pitching had a lot to do with it as well, but they got nothing from DH. Nothing. Nothing from right field. So, you got, so I can't say one. You got, you got to get a starting pitcher, and that's your answer. All three. I was trying to get some more information on Felix Hernandez. <laughs> you need more information? Any more information? You know about him? Well, no. What I'm saying, I'm he's saying done. he's done, done, not done, pitching, done. not, not yeah. pitching ever Have you again. You watched him. I mean, I don't know. You talk about a guy. He looked pretty good against the White Sox. Look. <laughs> talking about it, we're talking about guys that eat innings, guys in the middle of the road that you don't have to pay much money to. It's a cap. You got to rethink it, man. I, they, that's I'll a say no this, shot. I'll say, I'll say this about For the White. The Sox need depth, and I don't know if the depth is there yet for them in 2020 to really go on a big run and make a big jump. Like see, I see their wins. window opening in 2021, not 2020. I, what are they, 72 and 90? Yeah. If you get this thing to 82, 83, and you added another 11, 12 wins, that's a damn good jump. I think this team, if they make the right moves in the offseason, can get to about 85, 86 wins, doing what, like, the Astros did. They lost 100, 100, 100. 86. Yeah. I think that's how the, yeah, 86 yeah. wins uh, in 76. I think the Sox can do that, but my concern and what I was saying for 2020, you know, they have drafted, the, this is one of those years where the minor leagues, other than Robert and Madrigal, not a lot of great stuff went on in the minor leagues. Some of the guys they were expecting in 2020 and 2019 to come up and start producing didn't happen because of injuries or underperformance. Will those guys, I'm talking about the 
Luis Gonzalez's, Blake Rutherford's, uh, Gavin Sheets did okay. There were some injuries as well, Mike Rodolfo. If you have that depth in your AAA level and AA level, and you have underperformance at the major league level or injuries, bring those guys up and you can sustain a winning season. I'm not sure right now that can happen in 2020. I think this is the biggest thing to look at if you're looking at the White Sox offseason. They've, as Rick Hahn always talks about, they've created a lot of flexibility in, in their money. They don't have a lot of money on the books next year. Uh, signing Tim Anderson to a long-term extension looks brilliant right now. And so if we look at the trade market, like you said, Chuck, there's not a lot of uh, value among the prospects right now. But because they've created that flexibility with their salary cap or their salary space, maybe they can absorb a contract or yeah. two. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, that's a good one. Looking for to do that. You mean like the Astros did with Zach Greinke? Correct. Yeah, they can do that. That'll help them. If they didn't have the injuries and underperformance in the minor league system, they would be cleaning up right now. I think in this offseason because they'd have the trade capital and they'd have the money to spend, and that's a a very potent combination that, that, that would really help this team. All right, let's go to the other side of town, and that's where the Chicago Cubs find themselves in a quandary. Do they hire from within? David Ross, who's a special assistant to Theo Epstein, was a beloved member of the 2016 World Series, or do they go outside the organization and hire an experienced manager? You've got Joe Girardi out there, you've got Bruce Bochy out there, you've got Buck Showalter out there. Do you hire a guy who has never managed won't cost you as much money with ownership saying, we don't care what you pay a manager. I, I know for a fact, because Tom Ricketts has said, I don't care what they pay him. Pay whatever you want. He hands a lump sum of money to Theo. They don't run each decision and go, we want to sign him. Go to Tom. No. He says, here's $250 million or whatever the number is. That's your baseball operations budget. You spend it how you want. What do they need from their manager? Account of Frickin'-bility. <laughs> Counter-frickin'-bility? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm reading Mark right, Gonzalez right. today in the Tribune, and it says that a player who got traded over told the coach that he used to be with, it's like a country club over here. It's yeah. lax, nobody stretches mm. on there as a team. This stuff's got to get cleaned up. And Theo could say all he wanted at that press conference yesterday, and he's as eloquent and brilliant as they come. This isn't a shot at Joe Madden. We're not criticizing. We need more accountability. We make two outs, too many outs on the bases. We're bad defensively. That's, That's all the manager. That's on the manager. Yeah. It's on the player first. Right. Then it's on the manager. I think accountability is a huge thing for them. Covering the Brewers and the Cubs in September, you could see the clear difference between the two. I think even up until two weeks before the season ended, if you talk to Cubs players, oh, it's we have time, we have time, we have time. When that really wasn't the case, you talk to Brewers players, just, hey, we got to start stringing some wins together, and you see the type of run they went on. So that falls on the manager. And I know Joe wasn't the 100% the cause of a lot of their issues, but you know, accountability when it comes to those things and, and putting games together and having that sense of urgency, that's your manager. Joe's a great manager when things are going well <laughs> and it's fun and we yeah. got all this talent. Oh, it's 6 15 at 16, they're rolling along. You hit some adversity, he's not the guy to go. Hey, man, Russ, that stuff can't happen. You're sitting tomorrow. It's not going to happen. Yep. Can't that come from your bench coach? Can that be the bad cop? Can you no. do good? No, it can't? No. Okay. Absolutely not. All right. It's got to be the manager saying, hey, Javi, I'm tired of watching guys not hustle a ball out. You are sitting tomorrow, just like Brian Snicker did with Ronald Acuna Jr. He should have done that. I agree with you. But if that's not his personality, I know they wanted him to change, but he's not going to change. So couldn't he have found – who hired Loretta? Was it – was that the Cubs? 
that was front it. office. Yeah, that's, there's so nothing Madden that happens nothing without Theo's signature. Okay. I, I think you could nothing. change your, your coaching style in real time, right? I mean, even if you're not that person to go up to a guy and be like, hey, get your together, right? I mean, you can still hey, sit down, hey, pat on the back, slap on the butt, one of those two approaches to kind of get the best out of them. But my question to you, Cap, would be, can Ross get that out of them? That's a good question. I mean, like, what if Is, I got a change in my job? Chuck and I are very close. And all of a sudden, now I'm the boss here. I'm, right. And, no. and I got to come. <laughs> That's great. You're fired. Uh, You're hired. I mean, do I all of a sudden I'm going to be all over Chuck? Yeah. No. Hold on a second, bud. You and I were coworkers for 15 years, and we've been good friends. Now you're going to come down on me. I don't know how that stuff yeah, works just, out. Now, Grant, I was nowhere near the Cubs clubhouse to know what really the dynamic is. I know there's a, a huge respect level for David Ross, but if what you're saying is that the Cubs need accountability and someone who's going to kick some butt in there, is David Ross going to do that with these guys who he's got a close relationship with, like you're alluding great to? Great question. I think that's. I a, don't know. I love David Ross. He's a great guy. But is he the right answer? He, he for did the right that now? as a player. Okay, so it sounded to me. It sounds to me from hearing what Theo Epstein said, is that everyone assumed just because we didn't know much, so we're just making jumping to conclusions that oh, David Ross is going to be the the candidate. From what Theo said, he'll be a candidate. Yeah. But he has to sell himself and prove to Theo Epstein and company that he's the right guy for the job. Being there yesterday, the other thing that Theo said that was really telling is. They're not looking to look back at 2016. He feels like at times they got that caught a hold of them. Like, oh, man, 2016, we can do it like we did in 2016. When you have to start looking to the future, look at the Houston Astros, what they've been able to do. They weren't looking, oh, we won one World Series. They're trying to be innovative and be a, a new version of themselves every year. So I, don't, I think David Ross will get an interview, but I don't necessarily know if he'll be one of their finalists. I think it's important, right? You said earlier, just a second ago, Russ, you said when you watched the last month of the season and you were looking at the Brewers and the Cubs, you saw one team that wanted to win and one team that didn't. It's kind of like the Bears and the Vikings, right? One one team was just all out, we're going to win this game no matter what, and the other team was kind of like wanted a days ago, wanted to go <laughs> yeah, home, yeah. right? But you want that from your coach, you know? But as a Sox fan, I think to myself, you know, we had Ozzie Guillen. He got the best out of our team in 2005. And, you know, you, there is something there with having that player that kind of was part of the organization. And But to your point, like the Houston Astros can say to the team, hey, guys, this isn't 2016 anymore. You know what? I think you want a team that plays with an edge and is on edge. Yes. I yeah. don't feel the Cubs have had that lately. They haven't been held accountable. Yeah. So it is what it is. Thanks, Chuck. Yeah. All right. Chase Daniel filled in nicely when Mitchell Trubisky went down on Sunday. Can he do it again this Sunday in London, England? Just how long will the Bears need him to be to start it? That was the latest on Roquan Smith's bizarre absence. Next, on Sports Talk Live. Cubs authentic fans. The My Teams app by NBC Sports is your home for Cubs highlights, articles, and more. For the best Cubs coverage anytime, anywhere, download the My Teams app today. I man, it's something that's in-house, you know what I mean? But at the same time, man, um, we know he's going to get better, and we're looking forward to getting back out there with us. It's hard to say. You know, it's a personal issue. He's got to take care of it. You know, we're, we're there for him if he needs it. It is what it is. All right, they're talking about Roquan Smith, who Dan Graziano from ESPN said this morning could be out indefinitely as he deals with a personal issue. Gabe, this is bizarre. I mean, I'm getting ready for the game on Sunday, just like everyone else, and going, whoa, what do you mean this guy's doubtful? Now he's out. 
Like there were injuries and then there's bizarre. Yeah, I was actually I was at the game on Sunday and I'm in the stands with my friends and I'm looking down at see Roquan and I'm thinking to myself, what what's happening? So we're all checking our phones, we're all trying to figure out what's going on. I get to work on Monday, you know, uh, 670 scores down the block or down the, or down the hallway, I should say. And you know, there's chatter in the hallway and no one really has a definitive answer. And you would think with so many people with their hands close enough to the organization, you'd be able to come up with something. And I think the mystery is where is what has everybody kind of questioning what's going on. And that, that's where the discomfort so is. So he walked into the locker room today while all the media was in there. And according to Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun-Times, who's on here every week and immediately looked, there's all the media and he was ushered out by me like, <laughs> yo, let's go. Grand, no, they, grand opening, grand closing. They did not get to speak. There's something, it's, it has, it's very serious because if you look at those clips of Khalil Mack and uh, Nick Kwiatkowski, the, there's been a message sent to that, that roster of 53 guys. You do not say anything about this situation, which has leads me to believe it's serious involving, nobody knows if it's legal, but the thing I was thinking about today, is it a mental health issue? If they, what we're hearing about him not acting like himself leading up to the game. And that would be something that as an organization, we know how the NFL well, is with. Listen back to what Khalil Mack said, right. where he goes, we'll, we all know he'll get better. Right. It was, mm. okay, he'll get better. What does that mean? Is it as a person? Is it as, you know? I mean, I don't even, I don't feel comfortable even talking about it. Yeah, we don't even weird. know what it is. We're just speculating and throwing right. things against the wall. It's, he's clearly not in any shape to play football. And to play football, you need to be <laughs> razor a, sharp. Razor sharp. So hopefully he'll get better. But I don't need, I, what, what, who knows what's going on. All right, on. let's move on to Chase Daniel. Is he good enough to be the quarterback for three, four, five weeks? We don't have a definitive timetable yet on Mitchell Trubisky's return to play. Chase looked good the other day. He obviously knows the offense. He was making some very strong throws, but they also had 195 yards in total offense, and they put a grand total of 16 points up. And you're going to have games, whether it's the New Orleans Saints or the Rams, where you look and go, oh boy, we got to be able to score more points than that if you're in the Bears' shoes. So. We'll see how this whole thing shakes out. That was my, that was my big takeaway. Yeah. Um, points, right? He, he came down, scored on that first uh, possession where he came in the game. Looked great. Everyone was excited. But then there was no more sevens on the board, right? And, we, and you need that as a Bears team. You just said it, Cap. And, you know, we saw it last year. Can he manage the game within the 20s? Absolutely. But you need that ball to get in the end zone. And you do need some points, especially in the NFC, because you got to win games in different ways. You can't win every game 16 to 6. We know that, right? So, I mean, can he, can he manage it? Yeah. The Bears this year, that's what they're going to have to be, a team that can manage the clock. By the way, that play right that there, way. memo to Matt Nagy, when your backup quarterback is Trey Burton or Tariq Cohen, might not want to go RPO with no, Chase Daniel. That, that's not the best decision. If I think they've, he's 1-0 as the Bears' backup quarterback. Going into, uh, going playing Oakland in London, it's easy to see them going in the bye week with Chase Daniel 2-0. Now, after that bye week, things get tough. Like you said, the Saints come in. You have Dallas down the road. You're going to have to score 30 points in some of these games. And from what Chase did on, on Sunday, he made some throws. He stretched the field. He hit Allen Robinson on a lot of safe throws. He hit Javon Wims on that 39-yard pass. They can win with Chase Daniel for how long is the real question. You're going to need Mitch Trubisky this season. So maybe I don't have the pulse of every Bears fan, but from what I'm gathering, has there been – since Mitch went down, I mean, obviously when he went down, everyone's like, oh, my God. But are people panicking because Mitch is out? They're not as panicked because Mitch is not. 
exactly. Patrick Mahomes so, or Tom Brady or whoever it is. But I would like to think coming into this season, if we would have heard, oh, Mitch Trubisky is out and he could be out for a while, Bears fans would be in a panic. And there goes my MVP bet. Yeah, and <laughs> you bet for him for MVP? It's 200 to 1. How could I not? Got to take the dog right, on okay. that. Well, yeah, you lost that one. Here's the thing with, with Mr. Trubisky that's kind of not fair to him. Chase Daniel has had six years in this offense, four with KC, one with Philly, and one with the Bears. Mitch has had one and a half. So if you look, people talk about the offense move with Chase. Chase has been in this offense for six seasons. So Mitch is going to need some time. I'm not a big Mitch Trubisky apologist, but I, I think the guy needs a fair shake. Well yeah, said. I look I look at that and I, and I and I see when you're looking at the difference between the two quarterbacks, right? I mean, last year he he stepped in and did well, and I think that's like as a Bears fan to me. Chase Daniel, yeah, yeah he was one on one. Yeah, yeah, but he but, was terrible against the Giants. Terrible yeah. against the Giants. That was, was a good. That against was a horrible Detroit. game after he played well. Um, but when you when you saw those games, you said to yourself, okay, geez, the Bears have had terrible backup quarterbacks for decades, right? So when you see a guy come in and do well in his first game, not not so good on the second one, but you say to yourself, okay, at least you have a serviceable backup. Right. No, I think that's what the, the pulse of the fans. No, is. it's great to see. Di- Yes, I see what you're yeah. saying, but, you know, it's just another – I just you, – you wish Mitch would be better this year. He hasn't been – do we know when he's going to be back or have any haven't idea? Haven't said yet. Haven't, haven't still been said? No. Nope. What's today, Tuesday? But today was their off day, so. I'll wait till tomorrow. We'll see. All right, Camp Boylan is underway, and it wouldn't be a Bulls camp without some injuries on day one. Meanwhile, Jim Boylan says the goal is to make the playoffs. Is that realistic? For Chicago Sports Talk with Sizzle, crank up the heat and turn on STL. Host David Kaplan brings his no-nonsense opinion to the table every weeknight on the topics that are trending with our teams. Sports Talk Live, presented by the Chevy Silverado, weeknights at 6 on NBC Sports Chicago. Hockey is back, hockey baby. Start your season with the NHL preview show tomorrow at noon. We'll get you ready for the upcoming Blackhawks season as well as the rest of the National Hockey League. Stream it on the My Teams app or at NBCSportsChicago.com. Our goals for the season are to make the playoffs. That's our goal for the season is to make the playoffs. And every day to prepare like we're a playoff team. Every day to work like we're a playoff-bound team. And I'm excited for that. I think that's the only way to do it. There's no way that we were going to stand up here and say, hey, we hope we can win 10 more games or we hope we can be better. We want to get to the mountaintop. So. My guy. Wow. Wow. I love it. I love it. it. That's a halftime speech right there. I love it. He's intense. He's passionate. And he said to someone, someone said, can you be this guy? And he looked at him and said, you mean, can I coach my guys hard? Yeah. Like it goes on in other cities? Yes, I can. I think Jim Boylan is a a better coach than people gave him credit for last year. He did step one. He got his guys to buy in. It might not have been as quick as the people here in Chicago wanted it to be, but they did. Now it's on, can he coach? Can he take a a team that was one of the worst in in the NBA last year and take them to potentially winning the AC? Because I don't see them doing it. But if they can be in the hunt in the end of April, I think that's a big win. He gets them to the eighth seed. People are going to throw a party around. They will. They will. (laughs) I love his authenticity. I mean, forget about I, – He's I, as real as it comes. Yeah, no. and we haven't really been getting that uh, from the coaches, the head coaches of the Bulls lately. 
Thibodeau and Hoiberg, they were just kind of talking in coach speak. That's not coach speak. I mean, in a, in a way it is, but you really feel the human being behind those words. And that's, wh that's what I like to see. Yeah, I feel like, you know, if you're a player and you're watching that, you say to yourself, okay, I want my coach saying that. I want my coach believing just as equally as I do. But Cap, I was on the show last year before the Bulls, Bulls season started, and I was like, typical Chicago fan, of course the Bulls are making the playoffs, of course we're winning 40 games, and then obviously that didn't happen. But I'd, I'd agree with my coach and say the same thing. Obviously Russ is talking about maybe he'd be super surprised if he saw an eighth seed. He'd be shocked. But I mean, it's not like it's a great Eastern Conference when you're talking about going maybe like 11 down. You're going to have teams that can be fighting for that. But after that, those teams are pretty bad. There's teams I expect to make bigger jumps than the Bulls can make. They, if you look at their additions. Orlando could make a yeah. jump. Indiana could make a jump. Atlanta is Atlanta supposed to make a make really a big jump. jump. Yep. So if it wouldn't, it wouldn't even be the worst thing in the world if the Bulls didn't make the playoffs this year. Because if we look at how the NBA draft shook out, you can get a really impact. You could shoot up to top five in the draft if you don't make the playoffs. So I've, obviously the goal is always to make the playoffs. I think Jim Boylan did a good job of saying that. You don't want to say, well, we can get a little incrementally better. No, we want to get a lot better. Yeah, if I heard that coach speak, the pablum that, yeah, we want to get better each day. Yeah. And just One game at a time. Incremental practice. No, just tell me, our goal is to make the playoffs. Okay, now if you said our goal is to win the title, everyone would be like, yeah, whatever. But I thought it was realistic. By the way, two injuries today. We had a sprained ankle for Wendell Carter Jr., which Coach Boylan is calling day-to-day. -day. And then Boylan said that the Daniel Gafford injury is a hyperextended elbow. That's not good. But I don't think he was a big piece at this point as a rookie. I kind of look at the Bulls, and you can make a comparison with the White Sox. The White Sox didn't have a great record this year, but what you saw was the core take the next step. Mm -hmm. And if this core can do that and then go in the next offseason and surround them or blend – uh, that roster with just as good of players, if not better, then I think you have something you're talking about there. All right. It was hot in the afternoon in Charlotte on Sunday. Tempers flared at the Roval. Oh. Drivers throwing water on other drivers. What? The driver eliminated after missing a turn. Whoa. And the leader crashing and then eventually winning the race. Our guy, Scott Paddock, is going to go through the mayhem next on it. <laughs> <laughs>